We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. We're looking at Best Ball ADP on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. As you can tell, Matt, I still sound like absolute crap, for lack of a better term. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I've had this lingering cough for like over a month now. Uh, and so like it causes the shortness of breath, like for the most part I can control it, but you know, it's not good. Cause I'm doing, I would say at this point, like maybe 10, maybe a little bit more like hours of audio per week. And, uh, it takes its toll. It's a little bit hard to get through it sometimes. So you probably too have uh well, I don't really have this as much as you, but you must have like podcast blur at this point. You probably have no idea what you have talked about 
on particular shows, um, which players you've given certain takes on. It's just all a big blur. No, well, I mean, because we do the the serious show, uh, you know, like Sirius XM Fantasy Radio, yeah. 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern with the Action Network show. Uh, and so I have a pretty decent sense of what we talk about just because we cover a lot of different sports. So um, that kind of helps me like frame it in my brain. If it were just football all the time, uh, it would, it would all kind of blur together. So have I asked you this before? What is your second favorite sport? I'm assuming that football is your first. Yeah. uh, I would say XFL is my second favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Second favorite. I don't know. I mean, probably basketball. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're all kind of the same to me after NFL. OK, I'm going to ask you another question. Can okay. you dunk? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. All I don't right. think I, I couldn't even get close when I was in high school. Really? And like now, like absolutely no way. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we know seeing as uh, I'm like five foot and a half. I uh, can I cannot dunk. Um. So neither neither of the hosts of this show can dunk, but man, can we spit out some sports takes? So not really. <laughs> yeah. We're, we might be better at dunking. Yeah, and I, I can barely talk right now. So this is going to be one hell of an episode. All right, David Johnson. We've already, you know, really kicked him to the curb a number of times. He's going towards the end of round eight. Let's not even talk about him. Um, Devonta Freeman going at running back thirty six. Is this precipitous fall down into round eight at RB36 validated? Uh, I don't know. This is probably the correct draft, right? I mean, like, I think he has a wide range of outcomes. Like, I think either he crushes his ADP or he doesn't even come close to it. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and like, I think, um, like, if he even just, like, meets his ADP, like, that still kind of doesn't even matter. Because, like, I think what you should be looking for out of guys in the eighth round is guys who can uh, like produce like fifth rounders or fourth rounders, you know? Yeah, I I am really on board with you there. I haven't. I'm just in like the beginning phases of working through, and I want to try to tweak some of the formula this year to the historical projections that we do, where we basically are looking at what a player has done in the past season. What other players similar to that have player or find players that have produced similarly to that player and then see how they did in the next season. I'm expecting that we're going to, what we're going to see from Devonta Freeman at this point in his career for a player like him is not a whole lot happening um, in the subsequent season. So the odds to me that Freeman actually puts together a solid season are pretty low. Uh, I would much rather go with, one of the rookies that we're going to see in this draft or like yeah. a Ronald Jones, even like a Tariq Cohen an Alexander Madison or Royce Freeman players where there's still some potential. Yeah. Uh, I would absolutely agree. I'd rather go with, um, we see Clyde Edwards, Alaire uh, was drafted in the same vicinity. I would rather go with him. Like assuming, I mean, we don't know yet where he's, you know, what team yeah. he's going to be on, but yeah. I would rather go with someone else who's much younger. So speaking of uh, Clyde Edwards, how do you feel about him? I don't know if we've actually gotten your take on him yet. I like him a lot. Uh, Me too. There's not much. There's not much to dislike. He's maybe the best pass catching back in this class, uh, and you know that means something. Like he's not big, but uh, he's sturdily built. Like I think he's basically like 
Maurice Jones drew size um, probably doesn't have that level of athleticism, but I think he's probably athletic enough. And again, with that pass catching ability, like there's not, there's not really anything to dislike about him. Yeah. And actually Hassan Rahim did a uh, prospect profile on him probably maybe a month or two ago now, but he made a pretty compelling case about the amount of usage that Hilaire could see in the right offense and that he probably would be able to shoulder. So I'm actually feeling pretty good about him, and I hope that he lands in one of these low-key situations in the draft where there's not, it's not clear that he's going to be the guy, but that path to being the guy on his team is one that's pretty easy to traverse because I am pretty excited about him. Uh, kind of pivoting off of running back, we see Marquise Brown, Christian Kirk and AJ Green going in round eight of those three receivers, which is the one that you're most interested to get on your team? Oh, pretty easily Marquise Brown. Um, You know, Christian Kirk had his shot last year and he really didn't do much with it. Um, And AJ Green just scares me, you know, just, uh, I mean, he's old. He hasn't played in a long time. Even when he was playing, he wasn't like his like prime self. I don't know. I'm just ready to stay away. I'd rather go with Marquise Brown, who, uh, you know, has, I think, more upside at this point. I'm done with AJ Green. Absent of him going to, like, the Chiefs or New Orleans or maybe even New England, I'm probably staying away because he's still going to carry some value in a lot of people's minds just by the fact that he's AJ Green. But I'm very concerned if the A.J. Green we're seeing in 2020 is the A.J. Green that we saw in even 2018. Now, Christian Kirk, I'd like to hold out hope for. Um, I mean, that's fair. But I'm not sure if I really will end up saying that I prefer him to Brown. Now, Brown is a player that I was pretty down on heading into last season. But I think that we're still... It does not seem that Arizona is sold on Christian Kirk. Um Whereas Brown is an explosive player. So if it's best ball, I'm probably going Brown. I'm I'm undecided, though, in that regard in redraft. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Brown, what I like about him is that, I don't know, like I think he does have league winning upside. And there aren't all that many guys at this ADP um, at wide receiver who have that. But, I mean, you could absolutely see him have like a 1,200-yard, 10-touchdown season like that's within his range of outcomes I don't think we really see that from Christian Kirk or AJ Green probably the important thing to point out too with Brown is yes he plays on a team that runs the ball a lot and I imagine that they'll be able to continue to do so in 2020 but via the way that he plays in that explosive style he's not going to be as dependent on the target totals as a player like Christian Kirk would, who we know that Arizona drafted a number of other rookie wide receivers last season. They might even still continue to bolster that wide receiving core. So if you're looking for a differentiating factor, perhaps that's it. Any of the other players that we're looking at here in round eight interest you, Matt, that we haven't talked about? No, not really. I mean, I think it's a a decent spot for, uh, I mean, I don't know, probably still too early to get quarterbacks. Like Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, they're going in this range. You could probably wait a little bit longer. But this is the range where you start to see quarterbacks go off the board uh, with more like earnestness. 
Yeah. Now, Gasicki at tight end 13, too high or okay? Uh, It's probably fair, but again, I would just rather wait to have someone like Jonu, Ian, Thomas, OJ Howard, David Njoku a few rounds later. Got it. So, Jameis Winston going at QB9, which in a fantasy context is probably okay. Let me float this question out to you. Who's the better NFL quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo or Jameis Winston? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think. But, um, like, Winston, I think maybe could be if he were, like, with the right coach or... I like I don't I don't know if even like the right coach exists or the right offense for him exists, but um I think he could be if he were changed just a little. But like I think that's sort of maybe like the fallacy of guys like Jameis Winston is that like you think you can change them just a little without like totally changing who they are. Yeah. So may maybe really what you need for Jameis to be highly successful is a league where the ball does not uh, change teams if an interception is thrown. You just get four tries no matter what. Yeah, that uh, that seems reasonable. Um, I want to continue on this, though. This is was nowhere on the show sheet for you, but I did get in a conversation about this this weekend. Where do you think the cutoff is with Jimmy Garoppolo as far as ability as an NFL passer goes? Is there a line you think of a good example of a player that is better than him and a player that is worse than him? Like at this point, do you think he's significantly better than Andy Dalton? Let's just start there. Yeah. Yeah, I I do. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know, like I've been down on Garoppolo at points, but I think he actually could be a pretty good NFL quarterback, um, like better than he gets credit for. And like, that sounds kind of ridiculous considering that just like a couple of years ago, like the 49ers sucked Garoppolo entered the game and then they went five and zero after that. And Garoppolo seemed awesome, you know, like on a, like per attempt basis, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think. Yep. So if I, if I float these two names out there and then we'll move on. Is he better than Matthew Stafford? Yes. Is he better than Kirk Cousins? Yes. Yeah, I think so. All right. I lied. I'm going to float out one more. Is he better than Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee? Yeah, because I, I think Tannehill, um, like, we just don't know if, yeah. like, he's going to be consistent. Like, I think we have a sense of knowing that, like, like what Garoppolo's floor is. But, like, Garoppolo has a ceiling, too. Right. Okay. I I am appeased. So, we're now we're making some progress. Round nine, we're still seeing a lot of quarterbacks going, so we won't spend too much time talking about them. But we do have to talk about Matt's boy, John Brown, wide receiver 36. How are you feeling about that? Okay, let's just, first of all, Brown at wide receiver 36, and then Jerry Judy, whatever, and then Mike Williams at wide receiver 38. Yep. Uh, I think that's disrespectful to both of these guys. <laughs> like, what does what does John Brown have to do? You know, I think people are maybe expecting massive regression next year. Um, I don't know, like, maybe, but, you know, he had, like, I think a season that's fairly repeatable. He had 1,000 yards six touchdowns, you know, like he was the clear number one target. Mike Williams, you know, he's had really two years of playing time. And in those years, he's had um, just last year, 
he had a season that was, I think, like on a <clears throat> on a per target basis, more efficient than anything we've seen out of Keenan Allen. Uh, had a thousand yards receiving last year, and then in his first season of like real playing time, he had eleven touchdowns. Like that's more touchdowns than Keenan Allen has ever scored. You know, like there's like there's a universe in which like Mike Williams has. 1200 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns this year like I know that seems inconceivable but like we're not all that far away from it if he has touchdown regression and if he gets just a little bit more in the target department like I think he could get there Keenan Allen he will not like he will never have 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns like <laughs> I, I like I'm gonna eat those words but I feel pretty confident in saying that is never going to happen. <laughs> I'm now going out and drafting Keenan Allen everywhere in 2020. <laughs> That's fair. Um, here's, here's my take on what happened with John Brown. So starts off his career going 50 with a rank of 53 in 2014, moves to 25th in 2015. He was on those Arizona teams where it was him, Fitz, and Michael Floyd a lot of people were talking about them as the best trio of wide receivers in the league. Then he goes with a finish of 75th, 89, even 45 in 2018. And I think that people had just said, you know what? It's time to write this guy off. He's dead. His career's over. So it's making it look like this finish of a top 20 finish in 2019 is an aberration it's a fluke. I think people might think that he's a little bit older than he is. There was some health concerns. So I think that's why we're seeing that ADP get depressed because people are having a hard time recalibrating their mind to the fact that John Brown is a skilled player. He's in a situation that really plays to his strong suits. And like you said, what he achieved in 2019 isn't on the heels of something that is highly unable to be reproduced. With Mike Williams, I'm not sure if some of that comes down to a question of how the Chargers will be able to operate without Phillip Rivers. Yeah, that's a big part. You're right. That is a big part of it. But having said that, I don't think that, for me at least, it radically changes what I expect out of Mike Williams for 2020. Perhaps if they really are unable to address their quarterback situation, then I will change my mind, but a part of me feels like as long as you have a okay passer in there, he'll be okay. And the team has to have known this is coming, so who knows exactly who they'll end up filling in in that spot, but I'm not entirely off of Mike Williams. Um, okay, here's a yep. question about Mike Williams. Yep. If you had to project him right now, yep. and like it can just be kind of shooting from the hip, what would you project him with? You know, honestly, I would project him, I would probably say, I don't know, like seven or eight touchdowns, which maybe that's high, but I think they only had two touchdowns in 2019, 10 the season before. In my mind, he's more of a seven or eight touchdown type of guy. You know, maybe I take down the yards a little bit, but I would say like, I'd give him a line of maybe 95 targets, translate that into like 60 wrecks put him around 950 yards and maybe seven touchdowns in a conservative projection. Are you that far off of that? No, I think that's fair. Like I was going to say shooting from the hip that I think people would say that uh, 
his yardage total would regress. Um, that he would be maybe like 806. Yeah. You know, uh, like 800 touchdowns, six, 800 yards, six touchdowns, six touchdowns. Um, I think he gets more targets this next year. Me too. Uh, I think even if he does regress in the like yards per target department, like over the past two seasons, he's had 10.7 yards per target. Like he's just a guy who catches the ball down the field. That's just who he is. And I think as long as there's a quarterback on the team who can like put the ball somewhat in his vicinity, like he catches it. Like he doesn't have to be the type of, of player who's like wide open in order to catch a deep ball. Like he just does it in coverage. Um, the touchdowns are obviously going to regress. Like that's just, I think a clear statement, like he's not going to score fewer than three touchdowns this next year. Like, I think it's like five is a more reasonable floor for what he's likely to do, you know, but like, I think he has room for more like eight to 10, I think is like really in the wheelhouse of what could happen. So I don't know. I like him quite a bit, but, uh, I think I abnormally like him. Like I, I know I'm higher than the market. Right. So Ronald Jones and Terry Cohen, the two running backs going in round nine at running back 39 and running back 40 respectively. I think people are taking Cohen there because they're assuming that there is some floor level of production coming from him as a receiver. Ronald Jones, there's probably some upside that you have drafting him at RB39. We had another season where there was points where it felt like he was finally going to make it happen. Up and down results. Has your opinion of Jones kind of morphed as we head into 2020? Not really. I mean, he didn't have like a consistent season, but... He was much, obviously much better than he was as a rookie, just in terms of his efficiency. You know, like for a guy who isn't like all that good at catching the ball, um, he had 40 targets. He had a 77.5% catch rate, uh, you know, 7.7 yards per target. Like for a running back, that's pretty decent. He had over a thousand scrimmage yards and six touchdowns. Like he did that as a 22 year old guy who did almost nothing as a rookie. Like, it's conceivable, like very conceivable that he has 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns this upcoming season. So he actually finished among running backs at 20 in overall receiving yards, something that I don't think people would have been saying when he was coming out of school. Another encouraging thing you could point to if you want to make a strong case for Jones is he did finish at 19 in fantasy points over expectation per game. So perhaps that does speak to the possibility of him being somewhat efficient. And then we see three performances uh, at an RB1 level from week 10 on with 25 points, 16, and then another 20. The problem is intermingled in between those performances. We also see a goose egg 3.4, 9.9, 5.9. I'm not entirely sold on Jones, but I do think with him going at a round nine ADP, probably worth the chance because I don't feel like there's many players behind him who you could make a case have significantly more upside, perhaps maybe at Justice Hill. But even with a player like Hill in the confines of Baltimore, I'm not so sure. So it's probably him or a rookie. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, Jones has a really good chance of being the lead back. And then within that, he has, I think, a pretty decent chance of having a significantly better season than the one he just had. There are other guys going after him who like have the same like ceiling, like you have the potential to be <laughs> like 1,200, 1,300 yard backs, but like they need something pretty, pretty drastic to happen on the depth chart ahead of them. Whereas like all Jones needs to do is just be a little bit better and or get the ball just a little bit more. Sure. And so, he's like the last guy like that on the board. Like I, yeah. I actually really like Ronald Jones at this ADP. Like uh, Jones and Cohen are going right next to each other in ADP. Like, I don't know why anyone would take Cohen. Yeah, like, I know. I know. And Cohen's I one of those know. players I've always been interested in taking as the guy that I can use as a stopgap if I need. But when you see him sitting next to Ronald Jones, it to me, it's a no-brainer because you're going to see a number of weeks from Cohen where he doesn't do anything. And the odds that he can put up an RB1 type performance at this point, I don't think are nearly as high as Jones. So there's just that lack of upside. So I'm in agreement with you there. Yeah, this is kind of uh, like um, an open-ended question, yep. sort of. but like if you are ever in a position this upcoming year where you are starting Tarek Cohen, like do you think you've already lost your league? Um, Unless for whatever reason, the Bears just decide that they're going to force feed him and he propels himself to like. But, but do an you RB2 think that status. actually happens? No, I don't think there's any chance that that happens. So I think that if you're starting. Well, so we have to keep in mind I'm a player that goes zero running back so often that it's possible I could have a team or two where my receivers are so stacked that I end up using Cohen. Um, but outside of that, you're probably in a pretty bad spot. <laughs> similar think, to our main event even team from in last that year. spot i think even if you go zero rb and you have great wide receivers if you are starting cohen something didn't go right with your running back situation yeah that's probably you know, fair. like i just i don't know like he's the type of player i never want to have to start ever <laughs> i just you know i just think like if he's starting for me like whatever like i like my league is done if he's starting for me because like it's not only do I think he doesn't have a realistic chance of being a part of like, like a, a significant part of a winning, uh, like a winning fantasy team. But like, I think just in terms of strategy, he's the wrong type of player to select. Well, that I completely agree with. I completely agree with that there. I think in round nine, if you're thinking that Cohen could be like a role type of player for you, you really just want to be drafting backs that can find themselves being a bell cow or getting yeah. a very significant portion of their team's offense. Maybe you're even better drafting the backup on what is a very solid team. Well, of course, Cohen is a backup. So it's kind of like you're taking a backup on this offense that we're very unsure about coming off of last season. Um, when, you know, there's still players like... Tevin Coleman, who who knows what happens, or Latavius Murray, perhaps he yeah. kind of resurrects himself next year. Alexander Madison, Zach Moss, some of these rookies. So I, I think I I'm mean, with you there. So I think Cohen has a pretty decent chance of outperforming his running back 40 draft position. Yeah. Like, 
outperforming it by, you know, like four to six or eight positions. But like, I don't think he has a, a really good chance of being in the top 24, you know, and yep. like top 18. And like, that's what you want. Like, I think you have to have multiple guys who are there if you're going to have a real chance to win your league. Fair enough. So the final topic that we will talk about tonight are the quarterbacks going in round nine. I find it an interesting pairing. So no, you have no, sorry, no. We we have to talk about Will Fuller. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right or is it, are we going to save him for round ten? Um, yeah, let's save it for round ten okay. because there's All a couple. Right. There's a yeah, couple of other we'll receivers there. Okay, okay, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about the quarterbacks. You're right. Okay, so. Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. Do any of those names in any way excite you? Uh, may- maybe. <laughs> like, maybe Daniel Jones, and I hate to say that, yep. but um, I mean, he did have like four games last year with uh, like at least 30 fantasy points. And uh, to see that out of a rookie is pretty rare. He does have three, I think, pretty good wide receivers. He has a good pass-catching running back. He has a good pass-catching tight end. Um, You know, we just kind of have to see what happens with his offensive system because we're not really sure yet. But I think there's potential. You know, like we know out of all of the other guys, we know what we're going to get. Um. You know, maybe there's more variability there with Baker Mayfield. There probably is. Like, he could rebound and be, you know, maybe like a top six quarterback. But for the most part, we know what we're going to get out of the other quarterbacks in this range. But he is more unknown, and I want that unknown. Like, I want that volatility with a quarterback. Yeah, I hear you, especially because I think the rest of these players, unless they really hit, they're all going to provide you weekly production that you can get from somebody rounds later, probably even off of the waiver wire. So it's interesting. Now, Aaron Rodgers is coming in at QB10. It seems like drafters have finally come to the realization that Aaron Rodgers is no longer uh, a unique commodity in fantasy football. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's still like a lot of respect for him just like as a as a general player and as a guy who used to do a lot of pretty incredible things for fantasy but I think this is the right draft range like what's amazing is that Daniel Jones is going just like two players after him at the position like Daniel Jones as a low-end quarterback one being drafted that way like that's aggressive like that means that like whoever is drafting him there like they are drafting him because they think he has league winning upside. Yeah, that that is. So just so to get back to Rogers, do you think that the decline that we've seen from a fantasy perspective, and you could perhaps even extend that to an NFL perspective, relate to a lack of players around Rogers, or do you think it is a decline in his skill with age? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, that's I say probably a combination, yeah. but I I honestly don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I have a good read there either. Um, so I would kind of take the cop out saying that it's probably a variety of factors. Of course, I mean that probably I mean, is. 
Does, does it feel like he's less aggressive than he used to be? You know, like when he was younger, he had more weapons. Yeah. I think he was more comfortable with throwing the ball down the field. Like now, I think he's a little more tentative. And maybe that's just sort of a change of style. Maybe it's because he doesn't have the receivers he used to. Like, whatever it is. Like, I think part of it might be kind of stylistic. Yeah, that's probably true. He could maybe benefit from adding, like, a small element of the mindset of Jameis Winston into his game. Perhaps. Yeah, he, he could be a little more Farvian. Yes, you know? yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, though, we, we've gone through round nine pretty um, in-depth here. I don't have any other comments. I will leave you one more opportunity to pop in, though. Uh, no. I mean... I think you can I think you can still wait on quarterback a little while longer. That's just me. Probably fair. And we will be talking about some of those names and Will Fuller who I'm very interested to get Matt's take on as well as Robbie Anderson and Darius Slayton as we continue along next week, but that will do it for this week's episode. I am Dave Cabin. You can reach me at Dave Cabin FF on Twitter. You can reach Matt at you can reach Matt at Matt F the Oracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and as always, remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.